You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. Don't ever tell me no again on my own show. <laughs> Sit down. Sit down. Now. And Matty Rose. I do love a good glizzy. These bread. <laughs> Crazy enemas. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. It's the big show. Russell and Rose Sportsnet 960. The fan live from Doug Lacey's basement systems, downtown studio, bottom of the hour, our man from the at the letters podcast, blue Jays reporter for Sportsnet, Mr. Ben Nicholson Smith show a coming to the blue Jays. Ah, ah, maybe they're going to trade Bo. What? Like the thing is Vlad. What? This just keeps coming up. Is it gonna be like? Is it gonna be one of those things where like, hey? Oh, they just missed out. The, on okay, huh, just missed out. Uh, but hey, we got something to announce. Josh Donaldson's coming back. Uh, and you're like, oh, oh gross. No, <laughs> no thanks. Hard pass on that one. Hard pass. Uh, Julian McKenzie, Flames writer, the Athletic at eight o'clock. We'll play some impossible Flames trivia at eight thirty, and uh, later on, uh, it gets really cold in Finland. For a World Cup race. Is Mark Cuban going to be the president of the U.S.? Oh, my God. Yeah, because he's qualified to be the president. He should be. Yeah, yeah why not? Probably more qualified than the other dude who did it. I mean, the senile they got right now? He's in, uh-huh. in right there? Okay, the last couple they did. Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right. Um, also, want to get to uh, this this thing I've been thinking about. Um, and it has something to do with the Flames game. On a Monday night, big overtime win over the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Flames in a playoff spot. That was cool after the win. Yeah, that's how fun. about that? That's fun. After that start. Now you just got to keep the Oilers at bay and McDavid th- scoring three points. Period, He's fine. Yeah. No problem. Now he actually, he actually looks. I like how everybody was saying, oh, what was wrong with David? Yeah, he was clearly dealing with something physically because now he looks like McDavid again. Yeah. I don't know. It's always so weird to me where it's like, yeah, he's healthy now. He's been playing a game every other night for two weeks, but now he's healthy. You're like, wait, yeah. well, how, how did he get healthy? The human body's a marvel. I guess. Um, so Flames with a big overtime win oh. over the Golden Knights, uh, mm-hmm. thanks to Michael Backlund's interference, and Mackenzie Weger snaps her home. Uh, and then we, we saw the e-bug, uh, Dusty Nickel for the Calgary Flames, asking you on the tax line, 960-960. We'll do these at 830. Some of these are great already. What's your uh, best e-bug name, fake e-bug name you can come up with? Some of these are awesome because Dusty Nichols an actual person. Mm. It sounds made up for an e-bug, but no, it, that's his name. So we're asking you a 960-960 name and location, uh, your best uh, fake e-bug name. Some of these are terrific. We'll play him with Texty McTexterson or Sportsnet 960, the fan texturing robot later on. But there was a take I was thinking about flying back here as the sheriff's back in town. Um, I had my fist underneath my chin. I was thinking about this. And this take I'm about to unleash is flawless. There's there's no reason why the NHL should not implement this whatsoever. This is so dumb. (laughs) Um, So we saw the Flames uh, in overtime uh, have a uh, four-on-three advantage. Uh-huh. And then because there was no whistles, they had to play four and four overtime. Mm-hmm. And then obviously McKenzie Weger scores. It was extremely exciting. It was a great yep. overtime. It was. Um, we all know the purpose of three on three overtime, mm-hmm. which is to avoid the shootout. Mm-hmm. Here's my take. Okay. I think it's time. I think it's I think it's way past due that the NHL, if you take a penalty in overtime, three on two. <laughs> okay. Why not? 
Why not? And again, please, before people go, oh, you can't do you that. You want to go three oh, on one? Let's not. No, hold on. Yeah, why not? Let's not disparage the fabric of three on three overtime. Because Maurice Richard, Bobby Orr, Gordy Howe, Wayne Gretzky all played three on three overtime because we can't mess with that. Why can't we have three on two if you take a penalty in overtime? You want to end the game? You don't want to go to a shootout? Go three on two. Why do we got to go four on three? Why not go three on two? Three on three is already a joke to begin with because it has nothing to do with the actual game and you never play three on three during a regular hockey game. So why not go three on two if there's a penalty in overtime? You want to end games and not go to the shootout? Play three on two if they take a penalty. Your thoughts? Dumb. Why? Um, because you never play with two people on the ice. That's you just never the play rules. three on three. No, you play three on three all the time. The rules have said for years that as many penalties as you take, right. you always get at least three players on the ice. When that is a rule as it? old as time. When do you see it? How three many times three? last season did the Flames play three on three during regular play? No, I would say zero. That's not. I I agree exactly. with you. No, that's exactly. fine. Three on three is gimmicky. It's gimmicky. Three on two isn't? You're making it more of a gimmick. That's right. Because you don't want to go to a shootout. I don't understand your point here. The game ended. Like no, 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 I know. In four on four, the game ended. So we saw the overtime last night where Vegas was boring. Right. Yeah. But if you take a penalty and you take a penalty in regulation heading into overtime, three on two. I don't think it's crazy. GVP, your thoughts? Uh dumb. Thank Why? you. I, I'm kind of on the same page with Maddie. There's, a, pos- there's a possibility where you can play three on three in a, in regu- in regulation play. There's going to be a lot of fighting, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> there's a possibility of that. How many yeah. times? I would love to see the stats, and that's something you wouldn't even wish on Sportsnet stats to look up. How many times last season did and in any NHL game was there a three on three situation? That wasn't in overtime. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't in overtime. Did it happen in that Ottawa game? I don't. I don't think it did. I like. Here's the thing. You're just changing rules for the sake of changing rules. Why is no, three on I two don't so much easier to score? Three than on four two on three. is not that much easier Still to score. One man advantage. Well, exactly. No, well, four on three is easier to score on than five on four. That's statistically proven. That it's more goals are scored four on three on a power play than they are five on four. Yes. Right. But so ergo, three on two more goals than four on three. That's I don't know if that's going to be true. Let's see it. I don't, I don't think it. the issue think with they, overtime is necessarily the amount of people that are on the ice. It's the way people rag the puck. Just yes. have an over and back roll at the red line. Okay, yeah, exactly. I'm just saying when there's a penalty taken, that's what I'm saying. You because the 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 number one goal of three and three overtime and why it was implemented and why they wanted to extend it to maybe five, eight or ten minutes is to avoid the shootout. So if there's a penalty, three on two, chances are team with the power play going to score. I don't think it's that crazy. Here's the thing. And people who are trying to protect like this three on three, it's Mm -hmm. it's a total gimmick to begin with anyway. So why not go all out? Because what would you rather see? Here's a question for all of you. Three on two in overtime or a shootout? Here's my question. I would wonder what power plays clip at when it is four on three in overtime, because I would guess it's probably upwards of 90%. Because those power plays, you're late in the game. It's a four on three. Like, I don't think that you could up scoring much more than four on three power plays in overtime. Like, if you take a penalty in overtime, it feels like you're done. It's essentially game over. Yeah. And that's a four on three. So, right. like, I'm, I'm going to try and find the power play stats here. But it just got me thinking because the Flames didn't score on the four on three situation. and got me thinking, what if it was three on two? Would there be a chance of more likely scoring a goal? Probably. 
That's all I'm saying here. And it penalizes you further for taking a penalty in overtime. I'm just saying, I would like to see it. I would. Just to dismiss it and say it's dumb. Would you rather see a three on two or would you rather see a shootout? Patrick? I'd. I don't think that I, I mean, those. That, I don't think that those are. I don't think those are the two options. The shootout is what it is. I mean, we're not. We're not getting it a ton every night. You know, I'm a tie guy. I, I don't mind ties. When people don't even take like I don't penalties know. in overtime that often. Exactly. So this like, is this is the one right. thing where there was a that's penalty right. at they the don't. end of regulation that carried over to a four on four where there was no whistles in overtime where it just like okay here we go four on four. I I'm at this point I'm like I like the over and back rule. It's better than a shot clock. And at that point, if you cannot score in your five on in your five minutes in three on three, it's a shootout. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is in, in hockey. This is how you're gonna have to decide games. If you can't figure it out in your five on five or your three on three five minute overtime, you're you're just bastardizing the yeah. game even further and further and well, further. But an and over further. and back rule that's kind of bastardizing the a game little too, bit because there's no. no such rule as over and back. No, I it's know. completely different than but you want a can, set, going down to two players. You want but, offense. You want everybody, I get it, like, keep everybody in that one zone. You want chaos. It's going to be like that. And if I, You just can't carry it out. Yeah, the puck can go on to the other end, but you just can't be the one to take it back there. I think that's what the whole thing okay. is. What people don't like is the whole, like, reset, reset. I don't like what I'm like. Reset. Right. That's the one thing I don't. And people don't like. When, when it was the dead puck era, people were trying to, you know, should the NHL implement like a like a like a defensive penalty, mm. like a three in the key kind of call because you're doing this and you have too many guys in the neutral zone, whatever. That never happened, and obviously the game opened up after the lockout, and, and we're all thankful for that. But I'm just saying, like the fact that you know people pretending like three on three is like this, you know, it's it's sewn into the fabric of the tradition. It's gimmicky to begin with, so why not even go one step further? Because That's the power the power play is already a, a basically an auto kill for your team. If you take a penalty in overtime, four on three is an extremely efficient power play. I don't sure. care how good your power play is. You're you're essentially saying, let's fix something that is already an auto end to the game. It's not a problem. Power plays already are, are impossible to kill when it's overtime. The Flames, last year, every time they were losing in overtime early on in the season, it's because they took a penalty. That's Zetterlin goal uh, in uh, when they played the Devils. Um that was an overtime winner on the power play. Yeah, they had like six of them against, yep. literally. Uh, Flames two in overtime, which is um, refreshing. Just an idea I'm throwing out there. One of your worst. Okay. Um, I will get Julian McKenzie's opinion on that coming up at uh, 8 o'clock. Again, three on two. Let's see it. I'd like to see it. You know, McDavid, Dreisaitl out there. Maybe throw the nuge. Against two dudes? No. You, Tan Evan. Yeah, great. There's three people out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand how it would work. I'm just saying. I like to see it. Yeah, just make them do practice drills in overtime. Sweet. Yeah. Again, because three on three is not the game. That's all I'm saying. So might as well go full gimmick when it comes to uh, the Ridiculous. National Hockey League. Um, we'll get Julie McKenzie's take. Uh, I bet you. I 10 bet days you. away. That's the best you came up with. <laughs> yeah. Three on two in overtime. No, because it's because I was watching the Flames game and then they played four on four mm. the entire duration of the uh, overtime. I'm like, well, what if it was three on two? But I like how you're defending something that's so gimmicky to begin with that we can't even go one step further. That's all I'm saying. I 
It's like, oh no, we can't disparage three on three overtime. Oh, have heaven forbid we have That's three on literally two. Literally, not my point. That's not my point at that all. That would be insane. My point but is, but you're saying a four and three overtime is a guaranteed goal, but it's not. It's but I'm just saying you're close. increasing, but it's not. But you're increasing your chances more if you go three on two. That's all I'm saying. You don't know that. We've never seen three on two. Let's see it. That's what I'm saying. Let's see it. We don't know because we haven't seen it. Let's see it. Ridiculous. Try it in the American Hockey League. Maybe we see more goals in overtime because everyone wants to do whatever means necessary to avoid the shootout. If you take a penalty, three on two. There you go. I'm going to email Sportsnet Stats and find out what it has been for the last two years just to see what teams are at on no, the power play in overtime because I, it's going to be well over 90%. There is no chance in hell it's over 90%. Power plays in overtime. Correct. No chance in hell. There is zero last percent. year. Last year. I what do you want to bet on it? Let's bet a steak dinner that it's not even close to 90%. Not even close to 90%. Nope. What would you do? Okay. I would say it's not even close to 90%. So what's your number? You put it on the whiteboard, guys. He, he put, put, put you put that, on the whiteboard? He put that I would say. I'm sure we can look this up. Last season, I would say it's around 50% is, in, 50% is really high for an overtime and power play. That's half the time they're scoring. I'm going to say it's just over 50%. Maybe. Maybe. You know what? I'm going to say it's 50%. 50%. Yeah. All right. I'll take it's more than 50 and you take it's under 50. Okay. Price is right rules. Yeah, anything over 50. Okay. 50.1 is, is mine, and under 50 is you. Okay, I think there's a way we can look that up even during the break. I've been trying to do it while we're having the conversation while also trying to have the conversation, so yeah. we'll find it. Um, yeah, I would say it's just, I would say it's right around 50%, because it's really hard to score still in the NHL, even on the power play, even when it's a four-on-three situation. Because even the Oilers' power play last season, which was an absolute wagon, was still what? 30%? It's 62% apparently. Okay. 62 is definitely not 90. No. Right. No. I I almost said 60, but I was around 50. Or did I say 60? It was around 50. It's 62%. Where'd you see that? Someone texted it in. Oh, so, well, uh, why? oh okay, okay. We'll look it up. Yeah, well, I'm going to check, but this person, we'll uh, this, this person is very angry with us, and they sent in multiple texts. Oh, well, okay. Oh, that was his guess. Never mind. Okay. Um, we'll look it up. Ben Nicholson-Smith straight ahead. Uh, are the Blue Jays really in on Shohei Otani? Like, is this actually going to happen? Could this potentially be a thing? I-, I wonder if they get to the table. I wonder if there's a meet. I wonder if they have a sit-down like sit Yeah. And how much money? Yeah. I wonder if they get to the point where Shohei actually what do you entertains. Think, what do you here? think Ben Nicholson-Smith says money-wise? I think it's north of six hundred. I think it's million. ten. Ten. To, I think it's going to be ten times fifteen and a half. I think it's going to be more. Than it's that. going to be what did that? That'd be just a bit more than Aaron Judge. Oh no, he's. I think he's. I think he's going to surpass the six hundred million dollar mark. I mean, five hundred fifty million, six hundred million. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's fifty million dollars, though. Like crap. American. American, American dollars too. What is that Canadian? Well, it's got to be like close to seven hundred, seven hundred fifty yeah. mil. Yeah, that's a lot of dough. Um, all right, we'll look up what the power play percentage is on four and three in overtime. We'll talk to Ben Nicholson-Smith, and we'll float my stupid three and two overtime power play idea to Julian McKenzie at 8 o'clock. And we're taking your e-bug nicknames, 960-960, name and location. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan.
It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. At the top of the hour, Julian McKenzie covers the Flames for the Athletic. Wrote a piece on their power play, and what's up with the power play? Because right now it ain't good. But the Flames are in a, Flames have been playing really well lately, which is a positive. I love Flames Twitter. Fun to watch this team. Great. Trade everyone still, though. Great team, playoff spot, but trade everyone. Maybe no, not know. everyone. Maybe but not most everyone. of them. You know what? Uh, real quick, too. But like t- some of them. And if you don't trade them, you better sign them. Like, if, if they trade everyone, who the hell is going to be on the blue line in the Flames the next season? Ilya Soloviov and um, uh-huh. <laughs> Rasmus Anderson and Mackenzie Weger. Yep. Jeremy Poirier, maybe. 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 Right. Yeah. A lot of holes on the blue <laughs> line if you trade everybody. <laughs> A lot of holes on the blue line next season if you trade everyone. Why? What do you mean next season? Or this season. Or for next season. <laughs> yeah, like, what about this year? Yeah. Although Big Z lot or of, Big Z. A lot of Dennis Gilbert, yeah. Nick DeSimone. Uh, Isadora played really well in that game Monday night. All right, we'll talk to Julie McKenzie uh, coming up at 8 o'clock. He but had right a now, terrible turnover that led to an well, Eichel. He had a very Zadorov game. Of course he did. It would, but he there were good. some good moments, and yep. there were some egregious turnovers. Four attempts on goal, too. Um, we'll talk to uh, Julie McKenzie coming up at the top of the hour. But right now, uh, Sportsnet, uh, Blue Jays reporter at the Letters Podcast on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to our pal, Ben Nicholson-Smith. BNS, how are you? Doing well. Um, I can't offer much on the Flames no, uh, power okay. play, but it's good to be talking to you guys if you want to discuss some Jays or some baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you getting fished into the Shoei Otani talk like I am? And I, I don't want to, Ben. I don't want to get fished in because I've seen this movie before. Oh, the Blue Jays are on player X. Then all of a sudden, ooh, just missed out on him. He went over here. Is there a realistic possibility that Shoei Otani signs with the Blue Jays? Well, it's at least on the table, but I would say it's probably not worth getting your hopes up too, too high. I okay. think that it's okay to enjoy it, and this is part of the fun of the baseball offseason. This is part of the fun of, of free agency when you have an amazing player like Shohei Otani available. Um, and I do think that the Blue Jays are probably one of the top seven teams involved. But until someone tells me that the L.A. Dodgers are no longer a factor mm. for him, then I'm going to assume he's going to the Dodgers. So to me, this is something that Blue Jays fans can enjoy and maybe hope for, but let's not you know, start printing those Otani jerseys just yet uh, because there's a lot we don't know about what he wants, and I, I think the smart money has him going to the Dodgers at this point, or, or maybe the Giants or the Cubs or the Rangers. The Jays are one of those teams, but uh, they're not the favorite. Um, ben, obviously, he makes any team immediately better. Uh, signing him, but is there a, obviously he's a great fit for everyone, but for what the Blue Jays need, a front of the rotation left-handed power bat. Like he checks so many boxes for the Blue Jays. He's great defensively. He runs like a gazelle. He's got a laser rocket arm from the outfield. Like there's nothing that he can't do and that the Blue Jays need right now. And if you put Shohei Otani on this team, even though he can't pitch next season, legitimate World Series contender. It's not really a question. It's just more of a statement. Yeah, no, and I agree with it. And I think like this is why you have to do everything you can to see if there's a fit there. And look, the Blue Jays do have some advantages over other teams, including even teams like the Giants or the Dodgers, um, even teams like the Cubs. 
Um, when you look at how the Blue Jays are positioned, and Ross Sackens discussed some of these positives yesterday without explicitly acknowledging Shohei Otani because every GM in baseball is being very cautious not to, to speak out of turn with this stuff right now. Um, but he didn't dissuade anyone from the notion that the Blue Jays are players for Otani. And in highlighting some of the some of the better points for this organization, Atkins said, hey, we have this great facility in Florida that they built. Mm. It's definitely a leader in the industry. They're doing the renovations in Toronto right now. Those things are good for the preparation of any player, including Shohei Otani. Then you also have the fact that the Blue Jays are in win mode. They can spend. That's not the case for every team. Obviously, Dodgers, Giants, Cubs, Rangers, those teams can spend, um, but that's not everyone. So the Jays put themselves in the conversation with their willingness to spend. And even beyond that, you've got a dome stadium. That's uh, a way to ensure that Otani is going to be able to make his starts, have a certain amount of predictability that you don't have if you're at Windy Wrigley Field, that you don't have um, if you're considering signing at Fenway Park, for example. Um, and, and I think, too, you're, you're looking at a guy who, when you're, when you're talking about what he can do in the course of his off-field pursuits, being able to reach an entire country could have appeal. We don't know if it does, um, but it could have appeal. And Toronto is very, very different from, mm. let's say, you know, uh, Chicago in that respect, because you do reach an entire country of people. Um, we know Scott Boris famously said that uh, the Blue Jays are the richest owners in baseball. What would that contract look like if he came to the Jays? Is it north of $600 million? It could be. It's, it's hard to say. Like, I think that it's pretty clear that Otani is going to get the biggest contract in baseball history. Um, you know, it, it won't be lower than $450 million. There probably will be a lot of opt-outs. Um, you know, I think Ben, that, you just said it won't be lower than four hundred and fifty million dollars, which is just absolutely absurd when we just talk about numbers like that. It is, it is, yeah. It's a, and then, you know, you think about the Jays; their biggest contract ever is one uh, one fifty for George Springer. Um, so <laughs> this would be so so much more. Same for any team, right? This is this is new territory for any team, and you know, rightfully so. He is the best player, the industry is growing. There are more revenues in baseball. So of course the contracts are going to be bigger um, in proportion to that. So yeah, I I think that there, you know, I've talked to people in the industry who are on the outside of this, right? No one, Otani's agents aren't talking about this, but people on the outside of this, looking at it from afar, say they could see 500, 550 million. Some people speculate about even more. So I, I don't think that the price tag, um, is easy to pinpoint, but I could see it going in a lot of different directions. It's wild to think that this is something like, do you feel like the rumors, the chatter has gotten more relevant? Has it heated up over the last little bit here? Because it feels like something that we've maybe heard rumors of going all the way back to even when the season was on the go. Yeah. Even when it first started, right? Like there was the question of how the angels would be able to take advantage of his last season of course, they couldn't do that. And then at the trade deadline, there was the question of would they trade him, and they held on. Um, you know, it's it's been a storyline in baseball for years now, and understandably so. He's just that much of a difference maker. And really, I think that whenever he does sign, which could happen within the next week or so, uh, again, hard to know. There's a lot of unknowns here, but certainly wouldn't be surprising. Um, whenever he does sign, there will be a lot of players, um, whether it's uh, you know position players especially, um, who can who can finally choose their next home as well? Because 
to some extent, Otani's holding things up here um, because he's the number one on every team's board who has serious interest in him, and that includes some of the most aggressive spenders in the sport. Trying to look at the Texas Rangers roster and the Dodgers roster to see how many Japanese players they have. What is Yusei Kikuchi's role going to be in this? You know, that's one of the big questions that I have. And um, it's interesting because Kikuchi and and Shohei Otani went to the same high school in rural Japan. And Kikuchi went there. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It is. This is down the road of like uh, real, like they, he Realtors. just bought a house or he, his plane was spotted yeah. in, in Toronto. Mm. Like, I love this stuff, Ben. <laughs> Keep going. So they, they went to the same high school. Now, Kikuchi's older, so he went there before um, Shohei Otani did. But Otani has been quoted saying that he admired Yusei Kikuchi greatly um, growing up. So, uh, again, now I'm speculating, okay? So I want to make that clear. But if I'm the Toronto Blue Jays on this, realizing that connection, number one, it's got to be important that Yusei Kikuchi invites Shohei Otani to the team and, and expresses his desire for him to, to join him on the team. Because even though to most fans, Shohei Otani, of course, is the way bigger name. But, you know, you think about the people who are ahead of you in your high school, and there's something about that period of time where mm-hmm. if someone's four years ahead or five years ahead, like, it might kind of stick in your head a little bit, even if you go on to do different things. So I think it's important to have that buy-in from Kikuchi, and I think, you know, if they're making a pitch video to Shohei Otani, have Yusei Kikuchi narrate it, right? Have it be in Japanese. It's a lot better than having, you know, no, off- no offense to anybody else within the Blue Jays, but Ross Atkins narrating it in English is not going to yeah. be nearly as effective, right? I don't know, Buck. So, what about Buck's voice, though, Ben? <laughs> hey, we all love Buck Martinez, but yep. I'm not sure how fluent in Japanese he is. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think that there, there's room for some creativity there. Um, and I think that's the sort of thing that teams need to do if they're going to make an impression on Otani and show that they really care about him and his well-being. Um, ben, for the sake of your podcast and the sake of our show here in Calgary, how incredible would that be that you say Kikuchi could be a factor in showing Otani signing with the Blue Jays? What an incredible plot twist that would be. It, it would be awesome. It would be great. And look, again, we don't know exactly how Kikuchi would respond to this either. I mean, you know, it's possible that he might he might have been on vacation with his family for the month of October when this stuff was going on behind the scenes, right? Maybe he was uh, on a like we don't know exactly what the what the interest level was. So that's where I really reinforce it is speculative, but. I think that one way or another, teams need to get creative when it comes to their pitches for Otani because it's not he's, – he's obsessed with winning. Of course, the money is going to matter, but it's not just that. There are ways to show him that you really intend to, to be on his team and really intend to listen to him and understand what it is that he needs to succeed on the field. What does this all mean ultimately for Mike Trout with the Angels? Whew, I mean, that's – going to be tough right like that's not going to be a great team um you know trout has had obviously a hall of fame career incredible incredible player still to this day can go out and hit 30 35 homers with a 900 ops so you know still an impact player but I, you know it's it's pretty tough that he's only had 12 career plate appearances in the postseason especially when you think about hey, this is an expanded playoffs right now in baseball. Like, a lot of teams make it. It's not that hard to make it anymore. 
And Mike Trout's batted 12 times in like 12 years. It's not great for the sport. And I do hope that he finds a way back there. But, you know, ultimately, that team is not close right now to competing for a World Series. Ben Nicholson-Smith at the Letters Podcast covers the Blue Jays for Sportsnet. Joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Um, how intriguing are these Bull Bichette rumors right now? And honestly, Ben, kind of surprising, no? Yeah, I find them a little surprising, um, a little intriguing. Ultimately, I don't put too much stock in them. And we did have the chance to hear from Ross Atkins yesterday. Um, and Atkins said in no uncertain terms, Bobachet's our shortstop. Um, we're really thrilled to have Bobachet on our team. And that's our shortstop moving forward. So in talking to other executives around the league, I've gotten the sense that the Blue Jays um, – are intent on keeping Bichette. Of course, other teams can ask. And of course, the Blue Jays aren't going to hang up the phone. It's their job to be open-minded about any possibility, however unlikely. Um, and I think in this case, yeah, of course, the Cubs would want Bo Bichette, right? Like, that'd be a great fit for them. But, you know, the Blue Jays would probably like to have, you know, Ian Happ or Dansby Swanson. And they're not just going to pluck those players off the roster of the Cubs either. It takes two. And I, I just, I don't see Bichette going anywhere. How about Vladdy? Because it's kind of the similar conversation with the slugger. It is, yeah. And, you know, to me, um, you know, we did see that Ken Rosenthal, the athletic reported this week, that teams have asked the Blue Jays about Vladdy. Not a surprise. Um, but, I, again, I've said this all off season with respect to Vlad Jr. I just don't see a scenario where it's going to make sense to trade him because he has so much ability Um He's a guy who does work really hard, and, you know, of course, his last two seasons have been disappointing relative to 2021, but he's got a chance to go out there and hit 35 homers next year, have a 900 OPS. Like, that's a, that's a really, really good hitter, and, you know, it, it, he's also showing ability with the glove. Um, he, he plays every day, finds a way to stay on the field. Um, I, I think with a better approach, better plate approach, there are ways for Vlad Jr. to – have much better results and selling low just doesn't seem like a great idea. And, you know, hypothetically, if, if Shohei Otani does come to fruition, would it be everything off the table? You keep all your good players, even though it's going to cost, you know, as, as much as it would essentially all the money in the world. Yeah. You know, Ross Atkins used the word nimble yesterday. And I think, you know, of course they're different. I always different think athletes. nimble when I see Ross, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> there's some GMs in baseball who are maybe a couple years from their playing career, like a Craig Breslow. He looks pretty nimble, but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, um, Sam fold, I, Sam fold is very nimble, but, um, you know, there's a scale there. Um, but in any case, uh, <laughs> in any case, I think, um, you know, the Jays have multiple pathways, um, ahead and, um, they are a team right now that, if they don't sign Otani, which of course, again, is the likely outcome that someone else signs when he goes to the Dodgers in that scenario, the Jays are going to be able to spend something like 40, maybe, maybe even closer to $50 million to address their various needs. Now that should put them in a pretty good position. But of course, if you sign Shoei Otani, then him on his own would cost 40 or $50 million. So you still have other needs in that scenario they could keep spending. They wouldn't have to shed payroll. They wouldn't have to get rid of players. They could just go into totally new territory because that opportunity 
both baseball-wise and business-wise, would be so unique and would allow the Blue Jays then right. to really carve a new path. Well, I, and again, obviously, uh, the overlords who own the Blue Jays in this radio station and pretty much us, Ben. Um, but yeah. what, like, even the revenue that the Angels were making with just Japanese advertising, we don't know what those numbers were. Mm. Like, what would even that number be for the Blue Jays? Because that ad, those advertisements would be all over Rogers Center and on the Sportsnet broadcast because these games go back home to Japan. Like, what's even that number? for the Toronto Blue Jays, because there's so many other revenue streams that are associated with Shohei Otani. Like, I know people throw around a number like five to $600 million, but ultimately, the Blue Jays probably come out on the right end of all of this if they sign that guy. Yeah, which is, which is why from a business standpoint, you know, you could make the case that he's worth even more, and you could make the case that 500 is low, and that you know <laughs> anyone bidding 500 should be willing to go way higher. And so, you know, I know how wild that sounds, but yeah. and and of course, you know, I, I'm not I'm not looking at this through the lens of you know any sort of special business expertise. Um, and I think even people with business expertise would have to admit that there are a lot of unknowns here because you can't actually go out and explore those deals until you have the player. You can't you can't conditionally go out to right. Japan to Japanese companies and say, you know, what would you pay? Like it's it will happen or it won't happen, but um you you're not really going to do that in the hypothetical. So, um it would be a leap of faith. I think there would be a lot of reason to believe that there would be a ton of interest in like you said, you know, the 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 uh what do you call them the advertisements in the in the outfield um you know maybe it's not just pizza pizza and you know rogers out there maybe they want to have uh you know some some japanese media companies um want to have their brands out there and all of a sudden you have way more demand for um for those spots the price goes way up and some of that cost for the player is then offset I'm going to start looking for cost-cutting measures around the office and, and take those as positives. Like, if we go to one-ply, I'm going to be like, this is a good sign. This this means that we're trying to move some money around. Well, how do you think other teams are looking at Alec Manoa right now? Well, I think that there's interest um, because other teams are extremely thorough and um, pitching is always in demand. Um, I've heard that there is interest. I've heard that the Blue Jays have fielded at least a couple calls there this offseason, as you'd expect. Um at the same time, I don't get the impression that the Blue Jays are overly eager to send him packing. Um, and, you know, when you look at his body of work in the major leagues, he's had two good seasons, two really good seasons, actually, in 21 and 22, and one pretty rough season. So on the balance, it would make sense that they would value him more toward um, those two earlier seasons where he was a really effective frontline starter in the American League East. And, you know, that's something where I won't be stunned if he's traded this offseason. Like, it's definitely more likely than them trading Bo Bichette. But I'm just, I think it's tough to find that right fit because you have to find the right way to share that risk. And end of the day, it's not a bad idea just to keep Manoa and hope that he can bounce back as your number five starter. What are the Dodgers and the Yankees going to do this offseason, Ben? Well, the Dodgers are going to push hard for Otani. Um, if they don't get him, I think they'll push really hard for Yamamoto, the Japanese starting pitcher who uh, has been posted and is just 25 years old. So I think those are the two names to watch for both the Dodgers and the Giants. And as for the Yankees, I think that they're far less likely to be in on Otani. Um, I don't 
this is this is speculation, but you'll hear people speculate that he might not want to go to New York um, for various reasons. So, you know, that leaves the Yankees in a position where their biggest possible additions are probably Cody Bellinger or Juan Soto. Um, I oh, think they're going to push hard for both those guys. They need, I mean, you think about the Yankees, right? The Yankees don't really act like the Yankees anymore. They kind of act like the Seattle Mariners. And I think that <laughs> there's a case to be made for... Got to a shot of the Mariners going, hey! <laughs> I'm not trying to take shots at anyone. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, like, the Yankees, they're not that... They're not that intimidating right now. Right. And I think there's a lot to be said for, I mean, sure, like they went out and got Carlos Rodon, right, like last offseason. And that was an interesting move. But, you know, you, you dial the clock back to what they were 20 years ago. The Yankees would have got Rodon and they would have got, and I know they resigned Judge, but they would have got Rodon and they would, have, they would have found ways to augment in other ways. They would have just spent and spent. And instead, they're, you know, relative to the rest of the league, the Yankees are very ordinary when it comes to their spending in a way that 20 years ago, they were exceptional. The Yankees were a force. And I'm not saying it's going to go back to that ever. Obviously, Hal Steinbrenner is a different owner than his father was. But I do think that there's a strong case to be made if you're the Yankees for going out and aggressively pushing for Cody Bellinger or Juan Soto. And if it's, if it's, if it's Bellinger who you land, you probably don't, add a Kevin Kiermeyer, but if it's Soto, then I think you probably want to have some defensive ability in center field. So I think that's where you do get a Kevin Kiermeyer, and then you put Judge in right, Soto in left, Kiermeyer in center, probably try to sign someone for third base. Maybe that's a Matt Chapman. Probably need to find some ways to augment your pitching staff. Like the Yankees aren't nearly good enough to to where they want to be. So I think they have a lot of work ahead, but they will be in on some big names. And we're not talking about the Mets as a dark horse for Shohei Otani because they clearly spend like drunken sailors. I think the Mets are a dark horse, but uh, put it this way. I, I, I could see the Blue Jays being ahead of them. Like I see the Blue mm. Jays as a more likely landing spot than the Mets. Um, again, this is like reading tea leaves here. No one's, no one said it to me in those words, but um, I, I think the Mets are more of a threat on Yamamoto. Um, it sounds like they're motivated there and they'll do something. I mean, cause they're the Mets, but yeah, I don't, I don't see the Mets as a as a likely Otani team. Man, just from like covering him, could you just imagine? Like again, you're not, yeah, I know you're you're not on that. Like we're fantasizing about Shohei Otani signing with the Blue Jays. Like just from a professional side of things, Ben, how cool would that be if that dude was playing for the Blue Jays? Like yeah, just of just course. the storylines. Oh, great, he's going to go out there and throw a hundred miles an hour on the mound, and then probably hit a dinger. Like, how awesome is that? Like, he's just such a unicorn. It's so incredible to watch. And I don't think this is hyperbole. And I know you're a baseball guy first and foremost. That would be the biggest free agent signing in Canadian sports history. And I don't think it's particularly yeah. close. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. I'm trying to think now off the top of my head. I definitely can't. I mean, like nothing. Roger Clemens, but he wasn't he wasn't at the yeah. top of his game. Sure, it took him yeah. to stick a needle in his ass to win the sign with the Blue Jays, but whatever. Like, he wasn't at the top of his game like Shohei Otani is. Munenori right Kawasaki? Now. No, not him. No. Like, it'd be like LeBron yeah. like LeBron signing with the Raptors mm, after he was yeah. done with the Cavs or he went to South Beach. Mm. Like, that would the only exactly. thing that would have been bigger than this. Yeah, exactly. I think that, yeah, it's it's on that scale. I, I, I do think that I can't think of a deal that would be bigger. Um, 
and it's certainly the biggest in, in baseball history, the biggest in Blue Jays history. The baseball comps that you think of are like A-Rod in 2000, yep. Barry Bonds and Greg Maddox in 92. But honestly, I think this is bigger than Bonds and Maddox in 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like A-Rod in 2000 is kind of a special case because he was 25 years old coming off a 10-war season. Like he was a monster. And again, maybe had some help, but you know, he was, <laughs> he was an absolute monster. So I think... Yeah, it, to, to cover it, to answer that part of the question, like, yeah, of course it would be it would be so fun. Like, you want to cover teams that are relevant. You want to cover teams that are um, at the center of the sport. Um, you know, it's like if you if you could go back in time and cover Henry Aaron or cover Babe Ruth, like, yeah, that's a lot more interesting than cover covering like the you know the Boston Braves of the time, right? Like, it's just it's the center of the universe, really. So um, Shohei is going to pull a lot of interest with him wherever he goes. And I think he's one of the few players, maybe the only player in baseball who has a fan base that's dedicated to him, not to his team, but to him. Uh, real quick, Ben, I know, and, and we appreciate your time this morning. How would baseball react to Shohei Otani signing in Toronto? I think there would be surprise, but not shock. Um, okay. I think that, I think there would be a feeling of, all right, the Blue Jays are, are legit. Like, this is going to be the most fun team in baseball to watch, um, which, you know, you can say about probably whatever team Shohei signs on <laughs> will instantly become the most fun team in baseball to watch. But that would definitely make the Blue Jays the most interesting team in baseball. Um, and I don't think anyone would be stunned, but I think that, you know, it, it's the only thing that wouldn't be surprising with Shohei Otani is if he signs with the Dodgers. If he signs with the Cubs, that'll be surprising mm. and delightful in a way. Same with the Giants, same with the Rangers. Well, I don't know if people would be delighted if he signs with Texas. But, it, you know, it would be interesting, and it would be slightly surprising for any of those non-Dodgers teams. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith at the Letters Podcast, Sportsnet.ca, Sportsnet, he does it all. Uh, BNS, always a pleasure. Thanks for this, pal. Yep, you got it, guys. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Straight ahead, our man, J-Mac, Julian McKenzie. Covers of Flames the Athletic wrote a piece about the power play. We'll talk to him about that. And we'll float my uh, crazy idea of going to three-on-two uh, shorthanded in overtime on three-on-three. Uh, three. Instead of three-on-three, three, let's do a three-on-two if you take a penalty. We'll ask Julian McKenzie's take on that. And hopefully Sportsnet Stats gets back to me on the four-on-three, which maybe they already have, but I haven't looked. Uh, yes, they have. I have the answer for oh, you next. Oh, here we go. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.